Thanks for the praise team. Thanks for the good singing. Wow. When we think about what we believe in a time like this that we're living in these days, it's certainly good to be sure. Certainly good to be sure what you believe in. Because uh, there are people around the world, people that we care about, that are dying for what they believe in right now, right today. There were some today in Syria, northern India, other parts of northern Africa where Boko Haram is rampaging. And so it's good to know what you believe. My, if there's any day... It's no time to mess around. I want you to think about someone tonight. Someone that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. So they're on what the Bible calls the broad road that leads to where? Destruction. They're on that road. Now, they don't know they're on that road. Possibly. Most, most likely they don't know they're on the road. They think they're on a good road or they think they're on a road that at least will get them someplace where they want to be. So they don't know. They, the Bible says they're in darkness. They don't know. They don't understand. But if you're a born again Christian tonight, you understand. I understand. Because the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has shown us the truth. We, we know it in our heart. I've never seen Jesus Christ. I've never seen God the Father. But I know God the Father and our Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit exist more than I trust that pew you're sitting on. You can have an earthquake. That pew would not, not hold you up in an earthquake, would it? Wouldn't be worthy of trust. But God's going to take care of me even in an earthquake. So be thinking right now of someone that you really care about that's lost. Maybe you've talked to him a little bit already about the Lord, you know. And maybe you've been able to show him some scriptures from your Bible, or maybe they have a Bible, or maybe you've been able to give him a Bible and tell him about some verses. Plug their name in. The name I'm going to use is Cornelius. That's not a name we use too much today. My great-grandfather's name was Cornelius, though, so I, I really like that name. I never got to meet my great-grand, but I knew his daughter, my grandmother. And, and she was awesome. <laughs> and so I just kind of feel like everything she told me about him is true. This is a story in Acts chapter 10 in the life of the Apostle Peter. This is a major event in the life of the early church as it's growing and expanding. F.F. F. Bruce calls it the spreading flame. It's a great way to think of the growth of the church as people are added to the Lord Jesus Christ. See? And this is just a few years. It's only been a few years. By the time we get to chapter 10, it's probably been maybe seven years, eight years since our Lord Jesus rose from the dead. And there were still people like Cornelius that didn't know about it. Now, he lived in Caesarea. The Arabs call it Caesarea today. Named after Caesar, of course. Caesarea, Caesar. And it was right on the coast. Still there. You can visit it. There's a, there's a city there. And the ancient city has been uncovered. The, the great port city that Herod the Great built, much of that has been rebuilt. 
because it, it fell into the Mediterranean in an earthquake, but the parts were all there, and they re-erected it with some cranes. It's kind of neat. It, it was really one of the wonders of the ancient world, what he was able to do and build there. And it was the capital, the Roman capital of Palestine. Jerusalem was the religious capital, but Caesarea was the provincial capital, the Roman capital. The Romans were the ones occupying, right? And we read in, in verse 1, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion, which means he was a very high-ranking official in the army. Centurion commanded a lot of people. Probably something like a lieutenant or maybe even a major in our day. And he happened to be the centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, which was, as we understand it, we have, you know, the history is not real clear, but as we understand it, the Italian regiment was the elite group. You know, the, the real special, the advanced group, the advanced training group. And so it was, it was a very honorable position. But the Lord tells us about him certain characteristics. Now, I want us to point out as we think about it, this is the first scene. There are a couple of scenes that unfold in this chapter. And scene one unfolds with Cornelius. And it tells us he's a devout man, one who feared God with all his household. That is, all the people in his family feared God. They were God-fearers. He gave alms generously to the people. That is, he shared his wealth. And he probably was fairly wealthy as a centurion. They would get paid pretty good. And so he shared. Feared God. Shared with the poor. And prayed to God always. Sounds like a pretty neat guy. Prayed to God always. I know a lot of Christians that don't pray to God always. This man wasn't even a believer and he prayed to God always. But he wasn't saved. My friends, he wasn't saved. He was religious. And we can say this about him, right? He had a heart. That was open to God. You'd agree with me on that, right? He, he was open to God, but he, he, needed, he needed information. Right? The, what's the information he needed? You all that are born again, you know what's the information he needed. We call it the gospel. Right? He needed the gospel. Well, you could say, well, if you said Jesus Christ, if you said the resurrection, that would be good, too. That's all part of the gospel. He needed the Lord. But the Lord is the gospel. The gospel is the Lord. He needed a personal relationship. He was doing a lot of good things. Now, you may have a friend that you've been sharing the scripture and the gospel with that they do maybe some of these good things. Maybe they attend church pretty regular. You know, maybe they even memorize scripture. Uh, maybe they go to youth group. Maybe they go to camp. That doesn't mean they're born again. Right? To be born again, what has to happen? You have to have a living relationship with the living God. <laughs> it's a relationship. And we'll talk in a minute about how you get that. Because Peter is going to be the one God uses. But I'm saying 
here, God may want to use you. In fact, I might even rephrase that and say, I know God wants to use you if you're his child. If you're born again, he wants to use you and me. He wants to. More than we want to be used by God for good. To help some poor lost person that doesn't know they're lost. So we think about lost people that we share the gospel with. They lack something. What they lack is information. They may not lack love for God or fear of God because this man feared God. And he loved God in the sense that he shared his wealth with people in need. But he lacked information. And God is going to see to it. That he gets the information. Can God do that? Does God still do that? Or did he only do that in time of Peter? He still does it. God can do whatever he wants to. Right, Roman? My God's a big God. I don't put him in a box. Like some people. He's a big God. He can do, he can do anything he wants to. He can do it anytime. Anywhere. With any amount of power. However he wants to do it. That's my God. That's why I worship him. And that's why I love to serve him. See, Maybe you know it. So, <laughs> this is amazing. The Lord appears. He sends an angel with a vision to Cornelius. Now, here he is. He's praying. And about the ninth hour, verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed the angel, he was afraid. Would you be afraid? If you saw an angel, I think so many people today have lost the reverence for what that means. If I saw an angel, I would be afraid. <laughs> if I saw a demon, I would be afraid too. What is it, Lord? He says, your prayers and your alms have come before memorial before God. So send men to Joppa. Now, you notice it's interesting. I think it's interesting that the Lord could have given the information through the angel. He could have given the information through the angel that Cornelius needed, couldn't he? The angel could have explained the gospel to him. Right? So why didn't he? Because it's part of God's design to use people, to use his children. This is awesome to me. Angels might do a better job of it than we do. They're certainly more obedient than we are. What we read about the good angels, that is, the ones that didn't align with Lucifer. And so here he is. He says, you've got to send for a certain man named Peter. He's up in Joppa, and he, that's another port city. It's, it's south of Caesarea. Joppa is modern Tel Aviv. So if you, you've probably seen Tel Aviv on the map, you know where it is. It's, it's maybe 15, 20 miles from Caesarea, just south, another coastal city. It would be like maybe 20 miles would be what? From Boca Raton to uh, Hollandale or Hollywood maybe? Be about that, you know, coastal areas like that. That's where Peter was. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So here's, that's how scene one ends. Scene two, suddenly we flash down to Joppa. 
And we find out about Peter, which we already know about Peter, right? Everybody knows about Peter. And here he is, and he's, re- he's going to relax. In the Middle East, you don't do that here in Florida. You don't go up on your rooftop to relax, right? But in the Middle East, you do. In the Middle East, they have flat roofs, and they use them. They just put a little, like, a tent or an awning, and the wind blows, and it's a dry wind coming off the Arabian Desert. And I've been up there on the roof, and you could sleep up there. It's comfortable, especially at certain times of the day. So he went up there in the afternoon. The next day, verse 9 says, they were on their journey. They drew near. Peter went up on the housetop to pray. He was at sixth hour, which means it was noon. Then he became hungry and wanted to eat. And while they were making ready, he fell into a trance. (laughs) Well, if you if you fall into a if you you kind of fall into a nap when you're hungry and they're making food and you're smelling the food, what do you think you're going to be dreaming about? Yeah, good. And so was Peter. (laughs) He was dreaming about food. And the Lord gives him a very special vision here because Peter Cornelius needed information, but Peter needed instruction. You see the difference? Peter was already a child of God, but there were some things about the church and some things about God's design for how he's going to save people that Peter didn't understand yet. And one of those was he didn't think Gentiles should be or could be saved. He thought only Jewish people could be saved. Up to this point, only Jewish people had been saved and become part of the church, see? God's going to use Peter to change that, to bring Gentiles into the church. That's where this happens. Some call this the Gentile Pentecost in chapter 10, because here the Gentiles respond to the gospel the same way the Jews did in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. So Peter, the Lord shows him this sheet and he says, slay and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord, uh uh-uh. I think it's good advice in general, right, that we shouldn't correct God. (laughs) When God's trying to teach us something, let's try to remember to have an open heart and say, well, it's interesting. You look at Cornelius in verse 4. What is it, Lord? What do you want, Lord? That's an open heart. Peter says, not so, Lord. (laughs) What happened? Did Peter get too familiar with God, maybe? As a believer. And now he's going to tell God how to do things. That happens, you know. I've done that. If you're a believer, maybe you've done that. Especially when he says, so-and-so, put plug your name in. I want you to go see your friend, so-and-so, plug in a name of your friend you've been witnessing to. And I want you to go at such a time when they're ready. I don't mean an audible voice, Okay. I mean, he presses it on your heart. You get a deep impression. God can do that, you know. That's part of living the Christian life and the adventure of it. And you just know this is the time. This is the, the place. This is the way to do it. And, and you can say yes or you can say, not so, Lord. I know this isn't the right time. I witnessed to them a few weeks ago and it's just not ready. It's not the right time. Who knows better, you and me or God? Amen. God, let's yield to him. Peter, thankfully, Peter does eventually, right? The Lord convinces him. Peter would still struggle with this. You know, we read about it in Galatians chapter 2 in Antioch. He'll, he'll 
have to be instructed by Paul a little bit more on this. That's okay. I'm not blaming Peter. Peter had a problem with prejudice. Do people today have trouble with prejudice? Yeah. Yeah, everybody in this room struggles with prejudice. Different kinds of prejudices. You better be honest with your soul and before God what your prejudices are. Because in your prejudices, there may be certain people you would never witness to because of your prejudices, right? And that's just sometimes the kind of people God's going to send you to. (laughs) To show you his power and to teach us to love like he loves. He loves all, see. So Peter thankfully goes and we see his obedience in verse 20 of chapter 10. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. The spirit had told Peter, for I have sent these men. And Peter went down and the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius. And he said, yes, I am him whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Because these men were sent down by Cornelius. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house to hear words from you. He didn't summon you to feed you. Although I think they probably did feed him. After the events that happened here, but. They summoned you for words, information, right? They needed information and you are going to be the, the instrument, the vehicle of that, inst- that information. See, that's what he wants to do with you. Don't think you have to be 25 or 30 years old before that happens. If you're born again. You can do it a week after you're saved. (laughs) He can use you. Wants to. So Peter goes. And so Peter's obedience is shown in verses 20 to 23. And then his humility is shown when he arrives in 24 to 26. As Peter went in, verse 25, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. That's how much, how much hunger Cornelius had for God and for whatever information he needed. He didn't know what the information was, but he knew he lacked something. He needed something. And Peter came in. Now, he knew Peter was the instrument because the angel told him to get Peter. And he comes in and he falls down and worships him. And what if Peter had said, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. You should worship me. I'm going to be the first pope anyway. But Peter didn't do that. Look at what Peter does. Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him. Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. Stand up. Get up. Get off your knees in front of me. I'm just a man like you. Don't worship me. And my friends, we need to be careful about this, too, because this is an amazing thing that happens when you're sharing the gospel with someone. They will tend to. If not worship you, maybe put you on a real high pedestal, exalt you, you know, kind of. 
And it's just kind of natural to do that. The person that led me to the Lord, I did that. As a baby Christian, I did that for five or six years. It took me to finally realize, hey, you know, Jesus is the one I need to think about, not, not the individual. But we do that. We're prone to do that. And so we need to be aware of that. Don't let them do that with you. Make sure it's Christ. Right? It's Christ. So Peter begins his message. In verse 24 or verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Wow. God shows no partiality. What does that mean? When it's when he says God shows no partiality, what does that mean? There's no favoritism with God. No favorites. See, the Jews weren't favorites. They were chosen. That means they were set apart by God for a particular mission. But not because they were his favorites. He doesn't have any favorites. He, he loves people from every nation. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Peter says, I had to learn that in that vision, in that trance up there in the Simon the Tanner's roof. But I learned it. And he begins to explain the message, the information. It's the gospel. And he emphasizes five things. Those are all things that we can think about very easily when we share the gospel with someone. He identifies Jesus Christ. The word, verse 36, which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through whom? David, King David. No, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. See, He brings his name up right at the beginning. See, He's the king. He's the rightful ruler. The one who will bring peace. And he is Lord of all. He said. See, the Romans had a whole pantheon of gods. The same Greek gods, they just changed their name, right? Zeus became Jupiter and... Mars, Artemis became Mars and all that, but Jesus Christ is Lord of all, which means he's God, <laughs> doesn't it? If he's Lord of all, he's, he must be God. So when a Jehovah's Witness comes to you and says that he's not God, what are you going to do? going to change your faith we believe if a muslim extremist comes to you and says you say jesus christ is god you're dead you're going to hold to your faith or you're going to abdicate see that's that's right brother i hope so we all hope we'll have the grace at that time to be loyal and faithful to the Lord. We don't know. But we trust we will be, right? And we look to the Lord. We are living in the day where that could happen. I was told when I was in in uh, Georgia earlier this year that there are Al-Qaeda cells in almost every major city in the USA and they're allowed to meet and operate already. There was one right outside Atlanta. And this teacher, he, he knew where they were because he's a... Christian teacher, teaches at Tekoa Falls University, Christian school. 
And he has a website and he communicates to people the gospel and ISIS people and Al-Qaeda people have responded to see. They know who he is. They know where he lives. And he knows where they are now. It's getting closer. It's get, I'm just telling you that not to scare you, but to alert you. This is the day we're living in. Let's not be like an ostrich and stick our head in the sand and pretend things are what they are not. So he says he's Lord of all. And then he, he begins to talk about his earthly ministry. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him and we are witnesses of all the things which he did. Since Peter was one of the apostles. He was with our Lord. Saw it. We are eyewitnesses. We saw, we heard, we experienced these miracles and these casting out of devils that happened that our Lord Jesus did. He really did do them. That's the second thing he brings up. And then thirdly, he says, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. You've got to work in his death some way, see? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. God demanded, in his holiness, he demands a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus Christ is the only perfect sacrifice there is. There isn't any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter himself said that. And then he says, fourthly, but God raised him from the dead on the third day. Who did? God did. The people put him to death. God raised him from the dead. What does that tell us about what God thinks of him? God ain't letting him stay in the grave. <laughs> He's not letting him stay dead. Every other religious leader, is Buddha still in the grave? Yeah, Buddha's still in the grave. Is Muhammad still in the grave? Yeah. The popes or any of those? I can take you to a lot of their graves. Oh, Jesus Christ is the only one raised from the dead by design, by God's design. That's why we love him and worship him. That's why we know his sacrifice is sufficient. Propitiation. We had that word this week. One of our young uh, sisters in her memory verse, she said, how do you say that word? It was so cute. Propitiation. <laughs> She's 10 years old. She's memorizing scripture. See. Propitiation, mercy seat. God's pleased with him. And then, fifthly, God did something else. God raised him on the third day, showed him openly, but not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. See, he only appeared to the believers, didn't he? Remember, the apostles and the 120 in the upper room, and the 500 up in Mount Arbel in the Galilee region. Even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So he wasn't a ghost. He ate and drank with them to show them the glorified body that he had. And we're going to have those of us who are Christians, who are believers in Jesus Christ. When we die, after we die, we are going to have a body like his. 
glorious body. Wow. These old bodies, they just fall apart. They're not designed for immortality. They're mortal. We need a new body. And God has promised that to everyone who's trusting in Jesus Christ. And he commanded us, the apostles, to preach to the people, to testify that it is he who ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. Boom. And Peter's still going on. And while he's speaking, boom, it happens. (laughs) Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. See, the message, the information, the gospel was shared. And Peter doesn't know when it's going to happen, but he's sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, vroom, all in the room, they all start magnifying God, speaking in tongues. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter says, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Peter himself is saying they received the Holy Spirit the same way we did in Acts chapter 2. They were born again. So Peter was the instrument. God was at work in scene one with Cornelius. Cornelius sends a couple of his soldiers down to fetch Peter. Peter has to be told by God to go. (laughs) Doubting nothing. You go. (laughs) And Peter goes. And he's smart. He takes some six other brothers along with him because he knows the testimony of two or three witnesses is what's required and that the Jerusalem church in the next chapter is going to demand what really happens. He can say, hey, these brothers are with me. It wasn't just me. I'm not making this up. See, witnesses. That's why the Lord sent them out by twos. So if you have a burden to share the gospel with someone, you really believe God's working in you. Try to get someone to go with you. I still believe going by twos is the best way to go because you have a witness there. And that's a protection as well as an assurance confirms it. It gives you. Confidence, right? To have another believer with you. And the message ends with a glorious, happy result, doesn't it? Cornelius and all his household, and he brought a bunch of his friends over, and they all trusted in Christ. Does that seem too simple? It does in some respects. But see, God was at work in preparing the heart of Cornelius. God was at work in preparing the heart of Peter, the messenger. God was at work while Peter explained the gospel. And then God was at work in Cornelius and his household to hear with understanding so they could respond with their will and trust Christ. And that's what it means to be born again. See, It's a decision you make at a point in time. And you're different after that. And you know you're different. 
You, you can't say, well, I'm not sure. I'm, if you're not sure, you're not born again. Because if you're born again, you know it. Right? If I laid a cadaver, if I got a cadaver from the local hospital or the morgue and laid him on and you, you'd be able to look. He's not breathing. He's dead. And if he started breathing and got up and started talking, he'd be alive, wouldn't he? Would there be any question about it? There'd be no doubt that he's alive, see? And when you're born again spiritually, you know it. See? So, God wants to use you to reach someone that he loves. Maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend, maybe next week. Question is, will you do it? Will I do it? May God help us to love to obey Him, to serve Him. Father, we thank You for tonight. Thank You for safety. Thank You for each person that's here tonight. If someone is here and they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, we pray, we agree together that you would open their hearts to see the glory of Christ, to see that he's the only way to be saved, and to reach out and call out to him and ask him to save them. They can do that right where they're seated. And if they have questions... May they talk to one of their friends who knows the Lord. And may we use scriptures to show them that it's true. It's the message of God. He loves them and wants to deliver them from the coming judgment. And for those of us who are believers, Lord, help us to love you enough to walk with you, to serve you, to share your word with others. Because you came to seek that which is lost. Give us a heart that way too. We ask in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen.